Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning that it's not suitable for children and it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. My heart breaks for her family. I can only only imagine what they went through. I know what my family went through with me and the kids. And the messages he sent her, some of them were almost word for word for me. I was like, you can't leave me. I'll find you. A couple of years ago, there was a lady called Linda living in a small community in Australia who had bright pink keys. She wanted them to be very visible so that she could find them quickly and get inside her house or car in the event that she was ambushed by her ex-partner. 
She didn't make it inside in time, though, one night in 2020, and he bashed and stabbed her to death outside her own front door. The following day, when her murder was reported on the news, it was particularly shocking for one family living not too far away, his former family. The offender had been actively stalking his ex-wife Stephanie and their children right up until he murdered Linda. Stephanie joins us today on Australian True Crime to talk about her experience. We both want to dedicate this episode to the memory of Linda and to her family, but we won't go into detail about her murder for a number of reasons. We begin our conversation by talking about how Stephanie heard about Linda's death. So we see, like, we live in a very insular area. Everyone knows everyone. And it had come up on Facebook about how this woman had been found murdered by her partner. And we're like, oh, my God, it's going to be someone we know. My mum had actually heard it on the news like his name mentioned and like not the most common around this area of who it was and two and two together. So they were already reporting his name on the news? Yeah. My now husband was in the car with my daughter and mum had tried calling me. I was busy so she's called him obviously urgent and blurted it out. So then my daughter's come home and gone, oh, my God, that could have been you. And that's when it kind of hit home for her of holy shit. Was that her father? Her father was the offender? Yeah. So I've got two older kids with him and then a son with my current husband. I suppose finding it out like that and then we had the whole as well for the kids. Like my surname had changed so it wasn't too bad but the kids still had his surname because that's a whole different story. And my daughter was still at school. But what people were doing online was sharing his Facebook profile onto like there'd be local sites and news sites and everyone's like, oh, this is his profile. And then he'd have copied photos of from like my page when I accidentally was public or my friends, even some of my in-laws didn't realise to block their accounts. So he'd posted photos of when they were younger on there and so people were seeing that and people were commenting oh he's got two kids and and it was fortunately Facebook was able to remove them because I was able to show like clearly it was my profile had blocked his and all sorts of things and I had all the photos of the kids that within like 24 hours they had removed it. I mean I know anyone who's ever tried to contact Facebook finds out very quickly that it's very hard to get a human at the other end of Facebook. Yes, it was emails <laughs> and screenshots and, yeah, it was horrible. On top of everything, I was trying to, like, then protect the kids' identities because they'd been removed so much from everything to for them to be then be in the spotlight. So, it was, yeah, that was a lot. We were fortunate, though, in that he didn't have any recent photos of the kids, but in saying that they haven't changed much over the years, you can still see a photo of them then and, like, five years later and they you can go, oh, yeah, that's them. And then they had the added fun of, like, my eldest was at work, so he 
didn't get too much conversation about it. It was just like people gossiping at work and so he would just go a bit silent and not talk to people. But my daughter probably copped it more being at high school. Some people knew. So, yeah, that's that's been fun. She gets a prank call from a private number saying, oh, how does it feel for knowing your dad's a murderer? And she didn't say anything. She just hung up, but it just, like, brought up everything again. She's like, I just, it's not part of us, but it is. <laughs> Someone had said, one, oh, you know, do you regret being with him? And I said, like, it is such a loaded question. If I said yes, the result of the relationship, I have two beautiful children that are my world. I can't, regretting being with him or not leaving sooner means that I wouldn't have them. So it's. Yep. And that's what kids hear. Yeah. If you answer the question in a certain way, that's all they'll hear. Yeah. So I had to say it to her. I'm like, oh, it's, it was actually something my daughter I was talking to me about because, you know, she's 17. And I said, like, I started dating him when I was, I was 17. I can't have regrets about it because the kids. So it's this real, there's no label for it. No. It started hitting me, I think it was my 18th birthday. Like, so we'd always always had a temper. Always, you know, I didn't mean it, alcohol. Didn't mean it, I'm sorry. It was my 18th birthday and it all was because we'd gone out for dinner with family and friends and I hopped in the middle between him and one of our mutual friends. So, well, why did you need to sit next to him? We were staying at his auntie and uncle's place and at one point they came in and said, oh, if you don't stop arguing, you're going to have to leave. Well, when you say arguing, did they know that he was, he would have heard. Yeah, he was beating you and they knew it? They would have heard everything. I know... His aunt, he was scared of him and his brother. So he and his brother are very similar age and they just have anger issues. And I know she was scared of them. So they did the best they could. So it's like, yeah. I still don't enjoy birthdays that much. It took a lot to be able to enjoy birthdays again. But yeah, then when we were living together, so I had my eldest when I was 19. Even before all that, there was, you know, a lot of the controlling starts off with, you know, oh, you can't talk to them or you can't wear this, you can't wear that. And you think, oh, it's, you know, he means well, he's just caring for me, you know, there's not so nice people out there got to look after me he just loves me so much yeah and I think when you get a flogging for sitting between him and another guy in the car it must make you feel like super paranoid about what everything what you're doing yeah there was one we'd gone to one of his friends places a whole group of us had gone and when I walked in I gave him a kiss high on the cheek, you know, as you do with your acquaintances. And then he started being really cold with me. It's really weird and like just, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And then it was when we got home, it was, yeah, 
I think every name under the sun I've been called by him. That was one of the worst. And then also I tried to kill myself that night because I thought I was absolutely worthless. And I'm like, thank God it it didn't happen because I wouldn't have my kids. And I just think for that waste of space, I wouldn't be sitting here if if it had worked. You had neighbours call the police when they heard him, like I think they would have heard me running through the house or, you know, something. The police would come and I, I would protect him. I wouldn't press charges. You know, every other time, oh, I'm sorry. Afterwards, I'm sorry. I'll get help. You know, I'll go to counselling. I'll do drug and alcohol counselling. I'll do anger management. I could not count how many times I was told that. And... You know, he didn't have the best upbringing. He didn't have the best life growing up. So, yeah, come on, I've got to save everyone. <laughs> I see the best in people's even now. Well, you must have loved him too. I mean, yeah, when you love somebody, you you do have that compassion. and You see the potential. Yeah. You look past things. And then, you know, and then because I was pregnant so young, you know, we got married, obviously young. I think I was like 21. And then so it's like I have something to prove. My parents had divorced. So it was just like, no, I'm going to make it happen. No matter what, it's going to work. You know, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I like a good challenge. And it's not like you're telling all your friends and your family that, you know, that he bashes you. No. And no one, you don't want anyone to know because then when you make up, you don't want them all to hate him. And you don't want them to judge him. Yeah, or judge you. So you're all on your own with it. Yep. Yeah. And I... I withdrew a lot from friends and even family because how can you, you know, there was one time we were driving down to my mum's for a dinner and he'd had this big, oh, God, I don't even know. It was like, it could be anything. I looked at someone, someone looked at me. You know, there was one time we actually worked together and he got the shits because I bent down on my knees to sweep under a counter. Like, so it was anything and everything. And he tried to, like, drive us. Like, I was driving, he grabbed the steering wheel to drive us off the road. Then, you know, get control of the car and obviously everything's just crying. And so then I had to call and cancel on my parents. So it was like there's a lot of withdrawals from everyone. I would think at times it was really sweet. I'd go out with, say, a work function and he would turn up. Oh, he's so sweet. He surprised me. Oh, where are the kids? Oh, they're with your parents. I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. We have a night out. And then it's like you look in hindsight. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's because he had to see what I was doing. Do you remember when you first feared for your life? Do you remember when you first thought this motherfucker could kill me? It was more towards the end when I was leaving. Before that, I knew he would hurt me, that like I'd have bruises and everything and things thrown at me, thrown across the room. I think I was just that naive to think he wouldn't because I had the kids. I left 2009. I never actually threatened to leave. I just left. Right. But even towards the end, I was just existing. I knew it wasn't right, but I just needed the reasons why. 
but it was more after I left and the stalking starts and then just the anger. And then I was just like, I don't feel safe at all. I suppose it was more the stalking that started that seed in my head of, holy shit, what is he actually capable of? It wasn't before because I never thought he was capable of that, even when he was hurting me. Yeah, because this is 2009, so I guess it's still early days in terms of like, I feel like now we're like so much more aware of the patterns of killers, the patterns of violent abusers who actually go on to kill their former partners or their partners. But 2009, I don't think we were still very aware of these patterns when it's when women are leaving that abusers can really lose their shit. But you felt in yourself, you felt unsafe. Is that is that what happened? Yeah. Like we'd had a lot, a lot, lot, lot going on like that year. So his, his dad had died. He was a drug addict and had nothing to do with him. So that's always going to be impactful. Um, his, one of his uncles that was close with him had died and my grandparents were in the midst of dying. We were doing hospital visits. So there was a lot going on and it was horrible. I wasn't able to grieve my nan. And you've got little kids. And life still goes on. Yeah, it does. It really does. And I probably didn't grieve for my nan because I was so numb until my pop died just before Christmas. <laughs> that, that hit hard. That was horrible. 2009-2010 was just this absolute whirlwind of I look back and go, how the hell did I get through that? <laughs> the last court date really was 2014 was when court proceedings kind of finished and that was like including like family court. But then it was actually 2020 and things were starting to, it would go through waves with him. He had found my daughter's email address and had contacted her. He knew there's a local shopping centre so he had seen my son there and had said things to him So it was starting to ramp up and I still had these court orders in place and at the time they were both under 18. So it was like I had this email drafted to say, you know, you're breaching the orders. If you need anything, come to me, not them. So he was to have no contact at all with the kids? It was everything. I was there. So no unsupervised? Yeah, it was all like they were all my responsibilities since what the court orders were. So I was going to, I sat on it though and then, just like, oh, do I, don't I, knowing that if I had sent that, it would amplify things again. And I'm like, hey, just bal- playing that balancing act. Let's not hurry past that because what you're saying is that you're walking this thin line where you're trying to protect your children. He's contacting them where he's breaking orders, court orders, by Stalking them essentially, yeah. Emailing your daughter and waiting at the local shops for your kids to just pop up there, and so you have drafted. You've got legal letters to send about that, but you know that that will just fire him up into an, another level. So you're walking that fine line between how bad is it at the moment? How bad could it get if I? Yeah, yeah. You know, if I alert the authorities that he's breaking the orders already. 
and keep in mind this is like 2020. So our last court date was like 2014. So it was still going on. This is 11 years after you've left the yep. home. Yeah. And during this time when you're weighing up how best to protect your children, he murders his partner. Yeah. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And I only know kind of from what I've read is that she tried leaving a lot. She would go out, he'd turn up to places my heart breaks for her family, but they were supporting her too. And it's it's horrible. Or I can only only imagine what they went through. I know what my family went through with me and the kids. And like the messages he sent her, well, some of them were almost word for word for me. I was like, you can't leave me. I'll find you. It, when I, like hearing the news, like what had happened, it was, and it sounds bad, but it was a, also a validation. I was just thinking that exactly that. I was thinking that's the most awful. It's, and that's. It vindicates you that you were correct in weighing it up every day yep. of what, not knowing what to do. I've got shivers all over me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
then there's the, the guilt about having that validation, but then also the guilt of I was able to get away. My greatest fears of what could have happened to me happen to someone else. Yeah, but he was was still stalking you and your kids. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I suppose because I had the kids, there was still that obsession. But, like, I had a fake Facebook profile of her approach me that I, the police said, no, that definitely wasn't her, wasn't in, linked with anything with her. And so I'm like, okay. So there was that moment of should I have responded to her? And they said, no, it definitely wasn't her. So I'm like, okay. So I gave a statement when she was murdered i approached them because it was kind of like that's the least i can do for her what did you feel when they got together did you feel fear for her or did you think that they would have a different relationship i had him blocked on all socials and i like even early on when i left kind of because it was so messy with him a lot of our mutual friends I chose to remove myself from. His family, obviously, I knew were going to support him, so that was they were very much kept at arm's distance from the beginning. So there was no mutual way of knowing anything really unless the stalking part of it. So I had no idea whether he was with someone or not. Like he had been charged with like breaches of my AVOs and then served jail time. Oh, wow. And I never knew when he was released. One of the things that I hear a lot is, you know, that nothing happens for breaking AVOs. So it must have been like, what do you have to do to go to jail? So I don't know if you can see. I had to export them into Excel. A4, text messages. Wow. So pages and pages of that. That was just text messages and phone calls. I had instance reports of him turning up somewhere, of him knowing what was on our fridge. Oh, my God. But what he got charged with was I'd gone out with my cousin one night and we'd been drinking. He saw me with her and a few of our friends and he started like, as soon as I've seen him, I've just like gone here behind the big-ass security guard just gone, no, nah, I'm like not even attempting anything. And I sat at her place the next morning. She was dropping me home and he was out the front of the house and he's like, see me in the car and has gone to approach and just got, I'm going to fucking kill you. So in front of a witness too, my God. Yeah. And she's just driven. We got statements from like the bouncers where we were and then a statement from her and because she had never actually been involved in any of it leading up to that she was able to give like it was a a newbie so that's what he got breach fabio so obviously then there's a warrant out for his arrest for the breach they've got to find it took months i think he got about eight months or something i don't know because i was never told when he went in and i was never told when he came out and that i don't understand i don't understand why as the person he's threatened to kill you can't know when you need to be on your guard again. The only way I found out he was released was when the child support payments would, you know, you'd get $2 or something. So it's like, oh, okay, he's getting Centrelink. How did that feel to know that he was out? Yeah, not great because 
towards the end, because like, so we moved every 12 months because rentals, you have to have the 12 month lease. But then, like, I never felt kind of safe. There was one instance where he actually did find us, was sitting in the uh, unit across from us, could see straight in. And I, yeah, absolutely freaked. So we had to then stay there knowing that he knew where we were. Mm-hmm. And had access to the unit across the street for some reason. Yeah, because oh, he made friends, somehow made friends with them. Because I was so careful in the interactions and like, protecting me and the kids and moving around so much and being so discreet in how he could communicate with us because it had gone about, I think, 12 months or something. We couldn't renew the AVO because there'd been no direct threats in that time of that AVO. Yeah, so that's your reward. Yeah. Your reward for living this way and raising children in this environment is that you can't renew the AVO. Yeah. God. It got extended for, I think, six months and then went to go back to get and they're like, well, there's been no instances in this time. It's like, yeah, but that's because we've been so careful and he, he's he been in prison for the breach. So isn't that enough? And they're like, the judge is like, no, it's got to be, you've got to have proof that there's a threat. <laughs> Can't we do the old ones? And that wasn't enough. So, yeah, that, that was like gut-wrenching. And again, you know, they keep saying – what can we do about this terrible situation we have in Australia, intimate partner violence against women? And it's like I feel like every three weeks we have a woman on this show going, well, here's about ten suggestions, all the things that were happening in my life that could have been done differently. Yep. Like I've got an affidavit here that he did for when he had to go with the family court. And I had said, you know, he's got mental issues, he's got anger issues, he's, you know, drug and alcohol, you know, you name it. And then it's like, no, he's getting reformed, he's going to counselling, he's doing this, he's not drinking anymore. And it's like, yeah, all a lie. So it's like, can you really trust anything that comes from his mouth now? You would ring the police hoping you would get the right person on the other end who takes it seriously. Yeah. Oh, there's so many loopholes, so many loopholes. Some of them you would ring up and they'd be like, oh, yeah, and he's called you. Oh, he's turned up at the kids' school. Okay, <laughs> sure. How did the rest of your family cope with Linda's murder? You, you mentioned that your daughter, her obviously her first reaction was this could have been you and you can't help but internalise it, I don't think, in your situation and your children's situation, your parents, how did it affect everybody else around you? A lot of people were just like, holy shit. My mum went into active mode and was like, right, this is who you call. This is what you can do. This is support you can get. And as the old children got older and I was able to be more honest with them, you know, we sat down and just went, look, there's counselling, there's help if you need it. Then they just didn't want to talk about it to people outside the bubble outside the little network that knew they didn't want to be associated with it. At one stage, I think when the eldest was about 16, he and we had the court orders to say I was fully responsible, he wanted to change his name. So he went through all the documents and then was told, no, 
you need his signature or an actual court document to say, yes, you can change his name. But I have full responsibility. Isn't that enough? No, was it? Yeah. And also the reason I want to change my name is that, you know, it's so frustrating, isn't it? The circles round and round and round and round to all for the benefit of the abuser, isn't it? It's all out of respect for the abuser. Yeah. Like I, I went into debt to go through custody for him to not show up and he got legal aid because he wasn't working. He wasn't getting anything so he got it and then he gets out of jail and pays his two dollars a week child support I I think at one stage it was like 30 cents a day so when I first moved out I was living with my parents and that was fine because he he did know we were there but we could have the AVO around there when I moved out on my own we had the trouble and this is why when he found out where we lived I couldn't he couldn't be charged because we could get the AVO that listed our address, but then it listed it and he'd know where we were. Yeah, so either you get an AVO that says, right, you're not allowed anywhere near, you know, 5 Laurie Street, in which case he goes, great, now I know where they live. Or you get an AVO that says, all right, you're not allowed within 100 metres of their home. And he goes, well, I don't know where their home is, so if I happen to be walking past it, how is that my fault? And that's what happened. And as you say, you live in a, a smallish place, so it's not like, you know, living in Sydney or somewhere where, or Melbourne, very, very spread out. You can kind of live a long way from each other. But then also, like, he knew where the kids went to school and, like, at one stage we did live near a train station, so he would just have to, like, hang around local train stations and he might see us randomly. I can't imagine how it affects and changes you as a human being to live like this and how it's affected your children to grow up like this, hiding hiding from their dad. It's taken a lot to be okay with the kids going somewhere, just being away from me type of thing. The eldest is 21 and they're still like I get protective. <laughs> and even my daughter who's 17 now, it's the same. You go hypervigilant, but then my partner's very good at saying just, Ease off. Because your your threat, you had one threat and he is now in jail. And have you noticed a change in them? Do they do they seem free? Do they So when I left, my daughter was like four or five. So she doesn't have a lot of memories of even with him. The eldest, he has always kept quiet. He's still very hard to reach out. When he was most worried about what if I turn out like him? And I said, the fact that you're saying that and you're thinking that means that it's not, you know, you're going to turn out like that. My thing is walking in the dark on my own. That freaks me out. I, I just, even still, I mean, there's so like, oh, there's so many like even little things. Like everyone, me and my now husband started dating and like he'd be like go out with your friends and I'm like oh, don't you want to know where I'm going no I'm like don't you want to know who's here and he's like no why would I care you're okay and I'm like but don't isn't that a thing <laughs> he's like no I'm like are you sure yeah there's a lot of like even I only realized this the other day at work when I leave work or when I leave the house I always have my keys in that my 
And it just dawned on me, it's so I can get in the car quickly. And it's like, why? Like, why am I still doing this? But I still do it. It's just this habit of I'm going somewhere, keys in the hand. And it's insane. No, it's not insane at all. It's a really hard habit to break. And it was the life, potentially life-saving habits that you got into. That's that's the thing I'm wondering, you know, but about your kids looking over their shoulders at the train station and the shops and things like that. It would be very hard habits to break, I would think, even though we all know where their dad is and he's not getting out anytime soon. Have they expressed any interest in visiting him or talking to him? No. So when... We were going through like even the AVO. I was very mindful that at the end of the day he's their dad. It was to protect them but then also I knew that when we went through family court, I would need to be open to being what's considered fair. So I I knew that from early on even with mediation of and it was also like – I remember even before I'd left him, I remember that case down in Melbourne with the bridge and the little girl and the dad. That was always my fear. Darcy. Yeah. The Melbourne father who threw his young daughter off the Westgate Bridge will spend the next 30 years in jail. Last month, the jury rejected Arthur Freeman's defence of madness and found him guilty of the murder of four-year-old Darcy Freeman. That was always my fear. He would hurt them to get to me. So it was, as he said before, it was like always this balance of protecting them but trying to minimise his reactions, just trying to keep calm as much as possible. So even when we then got to family court, it was still trying to have something fair. We did mediation and we couldn't agree on holidays and things. So I kind of just kept going back and forth. And I never had told the kids in full what he did to me and what he was like because I'm like, at the end of the day, it could get to a point where they have a relationship with him and I can't have what I went through affecting them and their relationship. So I was always conscious of that. So even when it was horrible, we had to do – the family court made us do a family mediation in there. And so the kids had, hadn't had actually spoken to him in about three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they had to go into a room with him and the mediator person then had to view his interactions with them and then they'd come back to me and then review my interactions with them. It was so horrible because... Here I was trying to protect the kids, but then having to put them into a room with him. And the worst thing is that then, not even 12 months later, he then had to, the final court decision day, he didn't even turn up. Were they, what was, what was their feeling? Were they afraid of him or were they upset that he didn't turn up to, to see it through? What were they feeling about him? They didn't know. They didn't know till probably about six years ago I told them because... When he had seen my son at the station, my son had called me and said, oh, hey, I saw him, and I I flipped out, absolutely flipped out. And then they came home, and so I had to sit them down and go through not everything but a lot to explain to them why 
I did what I did. And then having to say to them, like, your dad couldn't even turn up to last day of court. Like, as a kid, I know, you know, it'd be horrible, horrible. He couldn't be bothered. Do they have any contact or do you have any contact with his family in terms of, like, I know that, you know, they take his side and uh, to a certain extent they feel like they have to and all that, we get all that. But at the same time they're the children's family and at some point you think, well, take their side, you know? It was very hard because when the AVOs were in place, he wasn't allowed to contact them. But then sometimes what he would do was he would get his auntie's phone and message me off that. And I'm like, hey, you can't let him do that. She's like, oh, I didn't know I was asleep. I'm like, radio. Okay. They just thought I was being unreasonable. They thought I was being this monster, not letting him see the kids. But it was more, no, you, you can see the kids when there's court orders in place because I don't feel safe otherwise. But after the point at which he becomes a convicted murderer, and again, I'm going to use the word you are vindicated to a certain degree, does anything change then? Does anyone come to you and say, well, maybe we were overindulgent in our support of him and we'd love to have a relationship with the kids? So they only know my mum's address. So when I left, we had a basket, school stuff, immediate stuff, and the passports and birth certificates. Wasn't that silly? And then trying to get the rest of the stuff, we got some stuff. But I didn't have many photos or, you know, all those little knick-knack things that you get when the kids are born and as they grow up. He had kept somehow a whole lot of stuff. So they did drop a big box to my parents of that. I do appreciate that. I said to the kids, and even when he had approached them before he had murdered Linda, I'd said, you know, look, my history with him you know, it's not going to happen. But if you want to, I can learn to be okay with it. My concern is to keep you safe, but I'm not going to go against your wishes if you want to. It's up to you. So I put it on to them. That kind of thing. And they were like, uh. the eldest typical teenager just went, meh. <laughs> What's in it for me? My daughter was just like, no, 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 no. Okay. If that ever changes, I can be okay with it. Well, not be okay with it, but I have to be. Then when his auntie had dropped off the boxes stuff, I, I said to them, if, if you want to. I'm still not okay with it because there's a lot of wounds there that I can't have a relationship with them. But if you want to, it would be okay. But so far... They have just no. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're very good to give them that. Um, obviously, I think everyone would be agreed that you're a saint. No, to <laughs> I mean, no, I think you know to. But that's what mums do, isn't it? Nine times out of ten, it's mum saying, "I will be the bigger person. I will hold my tongue and facilitate relationships for my kids wherever it's safe." you know, I will put my own feelings aside and if I think it's good for my kids, I will encourage relationships. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we're open and honest about it. Like, we've had with my daughter with the prank calls, 
know, that's obviously brought up everything and it doesn't have to be our story. Thank you to our guest today, Stephanie. Stephanie is open to receiving messages through us, so feel free to send them through our social media and we'll pass them on to her. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 139276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. 
They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.